Hey, and welcome back to Game Talk. I'm your host, Dan and me on today. I'm joined by Connor. Hey, guys. And Mike. Hello. And a little fun exercise we thought for this week would be to go through our favorite game genres and just sort of hash that out. We, I think, across the three of us, we have a pretty wide spectrum of tastes. You know, definitely some overlapping, but like, I think we cover a pretty huge chunk of like the general gaming tastes. So I, I thought maybe we could just kick this off. I know... I know, Connor, you're super into roguelikes. Maybe you can kick us off with that. Yeah, so, yeah. For, for my own taste, it's easier for me to list the genres I don't like. But, like, I think uh, the genre that I read attached to a game that, like, is going to draw me in faster than any other is roguelike or roguelite. I really like... Um, and that, that goes back as far as, like, even arcade games where you're starting from zero every time. I really like... Like, I fell in love with Spelunky Classic when I was a kid. And, uh, yeah, I just, uh, you know, it's fun to think like if the popular roguelikes of today existed as arcade games back in the day, like they would have been huge. I oh think. my God. Yeah. I mean, a lot of them can't like the ones that are more on the roguelite side, like Hades and stuff obviously wouldn't work as an arcade game, but like Spelunky absolutely could have been an arcade game. See, you know? I, I only liked rogue legacy <laughs> out of all the roguelites or roguelikes I've played. Yeah, so Rogue Legacy is yeah. the only one that hit me. Yeah, I think would have worked really well. So I'm gonna go ahead and define what I think a game needs to have to be a roguelike, or yeah. or even a roguelite. I'm not a real, I'm not real strict on the definition because I like I've liked games from both. And my opinion to be to be a roguelike, you need to be starting from the same position every time you die. The game has permadeath, so when you die, you are starting back from square one. Um, it needs to have typically even a level based structure is not really important. That's, that's really the main one is that like, there is no like RPG style mechanic where you get stronger as the game progresses. You are starting from square one every single time, I think is the most important thing to me. Yeah. Uh, And, and, and just to interject for a little, like people really don't like that. That that's part of the reason I brought up roguelike as the first genre to discuss is because that's the genre I see most people like trying to get. Like I I always see people like sell me on roguelikes. And like that I think it's just one of those things where if you don't like starting from zero over and over, you're just never going to like it. Because that's yeah. the that's so, just something what it I is. like about roguelikes is that like if you're like I can sit down and play Spelunky HD, the first one. I never beat the second one, but like I can sit down and play Spelunky from start to finish in an, in less than an hour. And I've like beaten the game and like had a good time and it's different every time. That's another thing. It has to have procedural generation. So it's a little different every time. Yeah. Um, so that you're mastering the mechanics, not memorizing the levels. And that's what, that's what it really comes down to with me is like why I find roguelike so rewarding is that a roguelike can present you with really complex interactions and complex mechanics and stuff. And then kind of simple levels on top of that. And you're, you're mastering these levels and like the way these mechanics work, you're mastering them to such an extent that you can beat this really hard game, but the game, like all of your progression is you like literally you, the player, your character has not progressed at all. And I think that's really cool. I, I really like it. Like, the game I point to is Noita, which like a lot of things in Noita, you can survive your character. You know, you start with a hundred HP every time and that can be gone in an instant, but like 
you know what stuff is going to kill you. Like you've learned through your progressive runs and everything uh, what is going to kill you. And like you've learned which spells to look out for that you really like to have on your wands. And like it's not even all skill. Some of it is just knowledge that you've picked up over time. Like I know where certain items are that are going to make things easier. I know that if I grab the tablet on the first floor, I can use it to kill the enemies and get twice as much gold as I normally would. Like that's not really skillful. That's just a thing that I learned through playing the Mm -hmm. game and watching videos and stuff. And I just, I really like that sort of thing. I really like getting better. I think it's the same, like the way I see the way I really enjoy improving in roguelikes is no different from the way a lot of people enjoy improving in like a multiplayer game, you know, like you're not at, well, I guess in a lot of them you are unlocking stuff, but like once you've prestiged once in a call of duty game, for instance, you're not unlocking stuff anymore. You're just playing and you're just getting better at the game. And that that loop is extremely satisfying for me, but I'm not a big multiplayer shooter guy. So roguelikes kind of scratch that same itch for me, I think. It's how, yeah, I, think, how I would pitch it to somebody who doesn't like roguelikes. And I think a lot of people who play video games really enjoy the sense of progression a lot of games like uh, impart on you. Yeah. And for roguelikes, it's like a lot more bite size, right? It doesn't carry you over throughout the whole time you're playing the game. See, for me, that sense of progression around. is still there because like... It's like internal progression. You, you're physically yeah. getting better at the game. But like when I like I make it to the third floor now, like, and that is yeah. my progression. Like I have progressed to the third floor. I still have to earn it every single time. But like that is my personal progression is I am now good enough at this game that I get to see this additional content every time I play it. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I, I, I'm a big fan of roguelikes as well. Um, and I, I think I got into them way later than you did, Connor. But yeah, you kind of jumped in on Hades, right? And then yeah, I, Hades final. was the first one, and then I got into all sorts of weird stuff that I See, never imagined myself getting into. I like Hades, like I, I like that game. So what I'm about to say, but I I do not like it as a roguelike. It breaks it breaks a few too many of the core tenets for me, like the fact that you realistically are not going to beat the game on your like with your base stats as Zagreus. But I do like that the game gives you the opportunity later. Like it lets you get stronger and then lets you kind of take off those uh, training wheels later. And I do think Hades is a very first beginner friendly. It's an extremely good baby's first roguelike. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. It's very good for that. It also like, it's a good introduction to the genre for people that might not really like the rest of the genre too, because it's got all those story beats and everything, which is typically not, not a big thing in roguelikes. I do, um, you know, Noida is my, Noida is one of my favorite games, so I keep referencing it. Noida has lore and everything, but it doesn't really have a story. It just kind of has a world you discover. And that's typical of roguelikes. Like Enter the Gungeon is another one I really like that, you know, there's no real story. Like you're trying to get to the bottom of the dungeon. Woo, you know, but Mm -hmm. there's lore to the dungeon. There's why the dungeon is there and stuff, or the gungeon rather. So that's a typical trope that I'm also into. I also just kind of really like um, stories about cycles. Like I really like the story of Dark Souls where it's a cycle every time. And like Noita never says it explicitly, but it is my headcanon that because uh, it suggests it a little bit that you are not the first. Noita is finished for witch. So the the protagonist is the Noita. And mm. in my mind, you are not the first. This is not the first time the Noita has tried to get to the bottom of the mountain and activate the work. You know, every single run you do in Noita is canon, regardless of its ending. Yeah. 
And I really like that. Same with Spelunky. Spelunky has some hand wavy stuff to explain why you return to the top of the temple when you die and stuff. I really like all that. Yeah, uh, it's it's definitely not a genre for everyone. But if you get hooked into it, it's uh, there's no going back. I think like once you get it, quote unquote, you know, like you're going to be yeah. a fan of the genre forever. I just remember like pouring like a hundred plus hours into like Slay the Spire in less than a week. And I was just like, oh, my God. Yeah, it was everything. <laughs> It was it was so much fun. Uh, have you ever tr- have you tried Noite yet, Ammon? No, I haven't. I haven't like crazy st- given how much I talk about it. Steam wish list. Yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, I still have to play Outer Wilds too. Like, yeah, I would. I, yeah, if I had to pick a game for you to play, I would pick Outer Wilds first. But sadly, I'm not going to be playing too many video games over the next couple weeks for for reasons. But yeah, probably towards uh, the end of the year. Yeah. Somebody else want to take a take a whack at. Mike, do you want to talk about? I'm okay. Let me guess what your favorite genre is. is oh it, dear, is it real time strategy? Uh, it's 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 more than just real time strategy at this point. I have like three. Four mm. X is one of them. Four X is one of them. I do like simulators. Yeah, simulation. Yeah. So why don't we start with? Uh, I don't know. Why don't you pick? I mean, RTS goes all the way back to like the earliest days of my gaming time honestly <laughs> yeah like that was what i grew up want grew up playing was rts games what so was the someone, first one uh, i think my first one was actually command and conquer red alert wow so someone without a lot of rts experience just having that be like one of someone's like first genres like early in your gaming life that's just like kind of mind-blowing to me because it always seems so daunting to approach it, it's it really weird, does it's such a weird I mean, like dominant genre because it's so pc centric and like most people start on a console you know yeah back back when rts's were new and the big thing they weren't as daunting as they are today because now rts's are look there's a lot of obstrification in the systems to make them competitive mm-hmm. and in the early days there wasn't a lot of definite balance and the games were just kind of hard <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that when you when about it when you say real-time strategy i think of like starcraft and like the you know, 30 inputs per second or whatever that game That's takes. That's just StarCraft. There's some yeah. games that are a lot slower than that. Mm-hmm. I think StarCraft just kind of codified the, this is fast, games end real quick, you know when you're when it's over, and optimizing build orders. But before yeah. that, it was largely just hope hope you win are better than the opponent. You know, I think I have played an RTS game before. Is Stellaris considered RTS? It's, uh, it's a real... It's an RTS esque. It's not maybe light. It's a grand strat. It's a real time grand strategy. I want to say okay, because you're not controlling individual units. You're controlling what are fleets. There's a lot. There's a lot I can say about I, RTSs, but I'm saving it for for next episode. Yeah, my my. Uh, you could do a uh, grand strategy or four X. Yeah, or they they kind of flow into each other because. No, I four, mean. 4X is something that I have fallen lo- in love with, you know, since like early college, you know, my getting into civilization. But civilization yeah. is about the extent of it for me. I'm sure, Mike, you've played a lot more. Yeah, I've. that's why I like the Total War series, because it's both this it's this juxtaposition of grand strategy or not grand strategy. 4X, I, it's hard to describe the, the tactical strategic layer of Total War, but it's like this weird cross between grand strategy and 4X. And then real-time battles. Yeah. So it scratches both those itches at the same time. Yeah, and I mean, like, I know we're the 
topic for today is like genres, but more often than not, like if we're being realistic, many games fall into several genres, right? They're yeah. Yeah. Genre is very fluid. Yeah. You'll notice most of the roguelikes I pointed out are also platformers, which I I really love platformers as well. Mm -hmm. Two platformers in particular. Uh, There's, it's just the, the RTS and grand strategy genres are just so large, especially paradox grand strategies, which, to many people are like the be all end all of grand strategies is a paradox platform grand strategy, which are well known for being absolutely daunting to look at. See, that sort of thing like entices me <laughs> like that. That doesn't, yeah. you know, that makes me want to play it more. So I feel like I would be really into these games, but I just need to venture past civilization. It's just tough yeah. to do because when I boot it up like i don't feel like playing anything else what genre is age of empires is that rts R- rts okay yeah same you, with sins of a solar empire but sins of a solar empire is a real-time 4x you planning on checking out checking out the new one mike oh yeah no yeah. i that was another it's another nostalgic series for me i've been thinking yeah. about picking it up since it's on game pass god the file size is huge that's another it's out right point. yeah it's yeah out. it's out yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I just haven't downloaded it because it's like 200 gigs if you want the I'm just day. I'm just happy it's doing good because the last major RTS that got any big attention was Scar- StarCraft 2 and yeah. there's not going to be another StarCraft. No, and they're really sorry to say. One. They're uh Yeah, that's fine. StarCraft is gone, but uh Yeah. Xbox is really pushing Age of Empires right now in a in a way that I think is pretty cool. I uh Yeah. Xbox in general has been really good about pushing games that don't necessarily perform super great yeah it was a huge risk releasing another age of empires game but i guess with the re-release of two and the hd remasters and everything Mm -hmm. they saw that there was still an audience for that style of rts so they just greenlit a sequel to age of empires plus isn't there quite a bit of nostalgia for that now like age of empires 3 is very old at this point right yeah yeah age of empires 3 was 2000 something because i played it when i was a kid Mm-hmm. What is with gaming this year, by the way? Like, we got Age of Empires 4, we got Metroid 5, we got Psychonauts 2, like... Yeah, yeah. it seems like it was the, revivals. the year of the long dormant franchises. <laughs> yeah. And they're yeah, all maybe, really good. <laughs> maybe we'll get revivals of other platforms. God, maybe. One can hope. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I guess, you know, it's it's tough for me because I, I play so many different styles of games but okay why don't we just start with the first well, well, can i can i guess what yours is oh okay so i was gonna start with the first I, genre that i ever played but do you want to guess what my favorite is yeah i want to guess what your favorite is your favorite oh, is like, the, uh, the linear heavy story based triple a yes uh, action yes. game like that, your, that your is God my favorite Wars, your uh your uncharted's your yeah so okay so first now, party sony games basically yeah so it's you know Probably the most boring answer you'll you'll hear on the show, but you know I can't lie. That is my favorite genre of game out of all the various styles of games I'm into. And I think it really started, you know, with the mid to late PS3 era. Sony released these highly cinematic and action adventures style games. You know, obviously I'm talking about Uncharted, and that sort of set the the tone for the style of game Sony was mostly going in on. Uh, for the PS4 generation, and it looks like that largely hasn't changed for the PS5 generation. Yeah, they're kind of branching out more with games like, you know, Returnal. Yeah, Returnal's a weird one. But um, Very interested. But yeah, like, I don't know, man. These games, like, I'm someone who who loves gameplay, obviously. Gameplay is, is always why you play video games, 
right? Like gameplay is the core reason. But I thought I, I also, played video games for the soundtrack. Well, you know, I said the core reason, right? But like yeah. to me, story is like almost right up there with gameplay. It's really that important to me. And I think that a lot of the some of some of Sony's best games also have the best stories I've experienced in a video game. And that's I would guess probably why more so than the gameplay that I love some of these games so much. And uh, yeah, I, I guess I'm just a sucker for, for a good story, especially when I'm as invested as I am, right? Like I can get pretty invested while watching a TV show or a movie, but playing a game is just several orders of magnitude, more investment for me personally, you know, like, cause I'm actually controlling the avatar that's going through all these things. So yeah, I think the, 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 it just improves the level of immersion for me when like the gameplay is good and the story is good. And it's just that kind of, you know, synergy there. Plus, you know, the, like these style of games often have like a lot of production value thrown behind them. So they often look pretty and they have beautiful soundtracks, which again, you know, soundtrack is pretty high up there for me, honestly. Like if it, I would probably say gameplay, then very close underneath its story, and then a little underneath that soundtrack. In in terms of like what I love about games the most, but yeah, like games like Uncharted, The Last of Us, God of War, like these style of games, Sony has really sort of like opened my perspective up to like how stories can be told in video games, and uh, yeah, really into that. But you know, that's. Probably most, if you were to ask, like, most people, I would guess, like, aside from multiplayer, that would be the genre. It's not, like, exactly a unique take, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's a pretty... Uh, basic's not the word I want to go for. But, like, if if you're not into, if you're not into, like, Call of Duty for the multiplayer, if you're not into Madden, then what's next is going to be, like, Uncharted and The Last of Us. And, yeah. Yeah. Or Halo, even. I'll toss Halo in there because Halo's getting pretty story heavy and stuff. I would still class uh, Halo to me will always be multiplayer first before really? the campaign. I only care about the campaigns and Halo. Like the multiplayer. Yeah, there. I don't know if that's a popular opinion, but. Yeah, maybe not. But, um, but yeah, I mean, action adventure, we all know that about me. Like, that's not very exciting. So it's, I said it needed to be said. Uh, but I was going to talk about the first genre I got into, which is the third-person platformer. Yeah, the, the, the near and dear to my heart as well. Yeah. Uh, Super Mario 64. Was so 64, yeah. Like, obviously, yeah. that was the first. And you know what's funny about these? Um, I don't know. Like, it's it's weird to me. Like, when I think about these platformers, they're not... None of them are really strictly platformers. You know, like, Su- Super Mario 64 is kind of strictly platform. But I, then I think about games like... Banjo-Kazooie and Spyro and it's just like I feel like a lot of these games were sort of the precursor almost to the action adventure genre you know they had like very whimsical light stories they had a lot of characters they had abilities and stuff you know yeah when I play Spyro calling it a 3D platformer is weird because when I think about what I like about Spyro I don't really think about the jumping too much Right, but like I think you know 2D platform former means something very specific but 3D platformer can mean like more things in my opinion you know, yeah, it's like more it's, like a, a whimsical journey through a collection of 3D worlds. Like, because Spider involves collecting various things. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if it is like an actual point A to point B, yeah, that's probably a strict 3D platformer. If you're just collecting stuff, that really opens up the door to a lot more stuff. You're more 
exploring these worlds and getting to know them. Like, cause, cause when I think about, uh, when I think about why I really like Spyro three, like what comes to mind is the, the music. I liked the art, like the vibes were just good. Yeah. I think more than a lot of genres, three platforms really just make me happy to play, you know, yeah, like case in point, Psychonauts 2 is the latest one I played, and that game was a blast from start to finish. It was just super fun to play, you know? Like, yeah, but that game is a lot more point A to point B. Like, there's a lot of, like, strict platforming in that game. Yeah, and, yeah that's uh, true. And also an, an amazing story. But yeah. That, that's the modern 3D platformer. I think, yeah, that was going to say, the 3D platformer, it disappeared for, like, a decade or so, right? Like, it was just sort of gone. No one was really interested in making them. They yeah, weren't really being played. Mario Odyssey. But, yeah, then they got a little modernized, right? So, like, there's more emphasis on story, more sort of, uh, I don't know, like, just modern design philosophies started getting applied to like the old school 3d platformer and it just kind of took uh like a second wind i think now we now i think it's pretty much back right like we get 3d 3d platformers pretty yeah, it's not a huge deal quite regularly yeah, yeah. We, we've gotten the hat in time super mario odyssey super mario 3d world and its re-release bowser's fury we got crash bandicoot 4, crash 4 which i don't think sold super well uh psychonauts now- 2 which is doing pretty well i believe yeah yeah, and, they're and, they're not dead for sure. Yeah, and you know, fingers crossed. You know, like Microsoft, give me banjo, please. <laughs> I will do anything for that. Yeah, I, I think Rare's moved past. It's like Jack the Jack series. Yeah, but Microsoft still owns it. Like Microsoft yeah, no, it doesn't have to make rare, it. You know, give it to uh, give it to Retro. They've also yeah, Jack, Jack and Daxter. That's another great one. Like I love the first Jack and Daxter so much. I can't even remember how many times I've played through it at this point. But yeah, I, I preferred think Edgy Jack, honestly. Edgy Jack was fun too, but Edgy Jack you know. sold better. Yeah. Edgy Jack sold yeah. a lot better. You so know they released funny? Jack 3. Naughty Dog had Jack and Daxter, which was their quirky, fun little platform former. And then they looked at GTA and they were like, let's turn it into that. Yeah. <laughs> and uh yeah, it was it was strange. But you know, as like someone who was kind of like I think I was like a preteen at the time, that really appealed to me. Like yeah. I thought Jack 2 was incredible. But yeah, they said the they said bad words, I think. I mean, Jack's first words, I think he says he's going to kill someone like that's literally the first thing he ever says because he's a mute in the first game. And then the second one, he's been like tortured for months, you know, Sonic reference there. And then uh, he wakes up. He's like, I'm going to kill this guy. And you're just like, yeah, what? he becomes Shadow the Hedgehog for like the duration yeah. of the game. Oh my god, I didn't even think like Sonic Adventure 2 being in the 3D platformer. How did you forget Sonic Adventure 2? Okay, so this actually leads... Uh, do you have more you want to say about 3D platformers? No, I think that's pretty much it, yeah. Okay, I'll lead into my next one, which is um like simulation and life games. Because to me, the meat of Sonic Adventure 2 was the child oh garden. God. Like, oh, okay, that's that's an exception. God, this was a yeah. this was a clever a clever ruse to get us into Chow Garden. I love the Chow Garden, but like I like a lot of like simulation life games. I love Animal Crossing, I, and I'm very harsh on it on the show, but I'm harsh on it because I it's near and dear to my heart. And there's not a lot of like competition, you know. You've got Harvest Moon, you've got Animal Crossing. The Chow Garden's done, you know. That's not coming back. Don't give me hope. Uh Stardew Valley is just amazing. And mm-hmm. so like and and it is maybe weird to like put Sonic Adventure 2 with those games, but like they occupy the same space in my mind, which is that like it's these adorable worlds where you do kind of menial tasks and like 
you grow your farm. You know, the child garden is your farm and the menial task is running city escape over and over and over again. But, and whereas in Stardew Valley, you're tending your farm or going into the mines and animal crossing, you're just walking around, checking in on your villagers and digging up fossils and fishing and like just kind of vibing in these yeah. worlds and meeting I will, the characters. I, I will say for me personally, like I, I've always dabbled in this genre. Like I've played Stardew Valley, but not like for any extended period of time. I played Animal Crossing for like a hundred hours and really enjoyed that. And it's not like I dislike these games. Like I really do enjoy them. It's just that I find that the feeling of tranquility quickly wears off and I want to do something else personally. Yeah, yeah that's but, something that they definitely struggle with. I think Stardew Valley did a very good job of keeping it. And then Stardew Valley also was smart to include stuff to do once you're done with the tranquility, which is like super optimizing your farm and everything. Yeah, it, it was smart. And, you know, yeah, it was smart to include more. And, and I think that's what a lot of people want from Animal Crossing is they want more, you know, like they want to exist in that world. But just existing in that world is no longer enough. You know, there's not you can only talk to your neighbors and hear the same line of dialogue so many times before it doesn't mean anything anymore. You know, I I. I cringe almost saying this, but I feel like th- this this simulation genre would be a perfect fit for games as a service. Like yeah, if you have no, like you're a not wrong. dedicated, yeah. you know, sort of team constantly releasing content that you're subscribed to, you know, like to keep it going in perpetuity. I mean, there's or an argument that, people- that did sort yeah. of happen with uh, Stardew Valley. You weren't paying for it all the time, but Stardew Valley has had massive updates every year or two. Are forward. they still making updates for it? Uh, no, 1.4, no. I believe, was the final update. Okay. And uh, actually, um, Concerned Ape, Eric Barone, the developer of Stardew Valley, has announced his new game, which is the Haunted Chocolatier, which I believe right. we discussed on the last episode. Yeah. Yeah. Which looks amazing. It's going to be combat heavy. Yeah, it's an action RPG. Yeah. So that we'll see where that goes. So it's it's going to upset some people. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Some traditionalists. What do you think, Mike? You're into simulation games as well, I'm into, like, the opposite. I'm not into life simulations. I'm into more granular simulations. Like submarine simulations. And, uh... I mean, those can be zen as well. Like, but in a very different way. Yeah, they're completely... They're two completely different styles of game that sort of have the same moniker attached to them, I think. Yeah, yeah. I I like I lo- really love granular simulations. I love Arma. I love I loved Hell Let Loose, and I, I just like I like games that are deep enough where I can sink my teeth in and then suffer. <laughs> I, I I don't know. I think I just like suffering. There's like a special <laughs> kind of escapism you can do in like an accurate simulation, though, because like I don't play a lot of sim games. But I definitely enjoyed my time with Microsoft Flight Simulator right. 2020. It's like, I mean, it, it can also be a sort of a thing of like, okay, I'm never going to actually fly a plane. So this is like the next best thing, right? Like this is yeah, accurate this is enough. So, I, yeah, I can definitely see the appeal. I don't think those, I don't think the second category of simulation games are for me, but like definitely the first one I, I dabble in. Yeah, I dabble. I dabble sometimes. <laughs> I've been known yeah. to dabble in life sims. We Although most of my time spent in like The Sims is also suffering. Yeah, I forgot to even mention The Sims because it's not one that I've ever really played. Neither you don't think I. about The Sims. Did, did you know Animal Crossing was inspired by The Sims? Like, really? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, Nintendo. Sounds about right. Yeah, Animal Crossing was like 
you know, Nintendo looked at the Sims and was like, how do we do that on a console, really? And, like, their answer was you control the character instead of controlling, you know, instead of, like, the third person. You know, yeah. I forgot to talk about open world RPGs. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, we yeah, we can do. get to RPGs, yeah. That's, yeah. like, all of us, though. No, I, uh, I not so not much Connor. open world yeah. RPGs in my top genre list at all, really. Like, I, I, I played Skyrim, but, like... I, don't. I would honestly say, like, if we so RPGs can be subdivided into like Western RPGs and JRPGs and CRPGs. Yeah, but what I think of when you say like an open world RPG, I'm thinking The Witcher. I'm thinking the Skyrim. Howards. Yeah. So okay. So The Witcher and Skyrim, I would classify as Western RPGs. Yeah. And then like action RPGs, I would say like maybe Dark Souls or something like that, right? Yeah, and then computer RPGs, Disco Elysium comes to mind, you know. And then there's like MMO RPGs that are so like yeah, RPGs in, the, in and of themselves can be like a lot of things, I think. And JRPGs, I I loved Dragon Quest Eleven. It it took me a while to fall in love with it, but I did really love it. So I I know you probably have a lot of things to say, Mike. Uh, but just to get us started, I will say there was a period of time in my life where Western RPGs were my absolute favorite thing in the world. Like, I played, like, you know, like, Skyrim, Fallout, like, Witcher 3, like, all these sort of Western-developed role-playing games. Like, I was all about them. And then, obviously, JRPGs have been a part of my life forever. You know, like, if we're counting Pokemon as a JRPG, which, you know, it sort of is a turn-based JRPG, yeah, it's been around forever. And thinking about, like, Persona and, like, like you mentioned, Dragon Quest... Uh, and obviously, you know, none of us really have played it, but Final Fantasy is hailed as one of the greats. Yeah, I love you know. Final Fantasy 14, or not 14, 15. 15, yeah. <clears throat> so, and, you know, I, I mentioned Disco Elysium. That was the first, I think, I think at least, the first actual, like, CRPG I've ever played, and it was was one of the best games I've ever played. So, But I also, I think it might be <clears throat> hard to go back to other CRPGs after Disco Elysium being your Yeah, I think athlete. that was actually just, like, the best one. Yeah, I you think know? that's, that's like, yeah, <clears throat> immaculate. <laughs> yeah. Mike, you have anything to say about R- RPGs? I mean, RPGs are also kind of formative. There's there's a lot of genres that, were, that I played yeah. in my formative years that have influenced my gaming tastes. You know, it's funny, like, there's so many little anecdotes that I'm refraining from saying because I want to save them from next episode. Yeah, next episode. I now realize there's going to be a lot of overlap between this and the next one, which is kind of Oh, yeah, this is a nice prequel. Yeah. This is the comic. For anybody not counting, next episode is our 100th episode. Yes, episode 100. The the 100th episode to our weekly podcast that took us four years to get to. Hey, man, it's uh, (laughs) more episodes than most, I feel like. It is. I just think it's funny that it took us twice as long to get to it as it It did. It did. We get to things when we get to them, you know? Like, we take our time. We move in our own pace. But I I do want to give a shout out here to MMOs. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, God. Like, honestly, MMOs can be their own discussion, but like, oh my gosh. There's nothing about the game a lot of the time with MMO, or at least it wasn't back in the day. It is now. Like, when I play an MMO, I don't get into the community like I used to. But. When I was an only child and like didn't really have the opportunity, you know, an only child in middle school and stuff. And like my parents were not going to go take me anywhere to go hang out with other kids or anything. The ability to sit at my computer and play a game and like make friends and be around other people was amazing to me. Yeah. And I, I echo that, you know, like the community aspect, especially when you're younger, is is so transformative, I think. Uh, for better or worse, honestly, uh, 
in MMOs for better for me, I think, and for you. Yeah. But um, I will say my my interaction with MMOs nowadays is they're like almost surgical. It's just like get in, do what I need to do, get out, <laughs> and yeah. like don't don't look at it too long or you'll be sucked back in. That's how I feel. About it. Don't be, don't stare really too like, deeply into its eyes. <laughs> I don't make friends in them anymore. I don't talk to strangers in MMOs anymore. So like you know, it's funny. Like it's still it's so easy to do. You know, like I know. One of my friends recently started playing Maple Story again, and he's like joined a guild, and it's full of like dozens and dozens of people that are very active, and it's just like they come from all walks of life, and it's just crazy to me that like communities can just spring up out of nowhere, you know, and can include pretty much anyone, you know. It's yeah, a pretty it's unique thing that like, exists. I have a million stories that are like near and dear to my heart that take place in different MMOs and stuff, and really like the game had almost nothing to do with it. None of them were like, we beat this epic boss fight or something. It was always like me and my buds were hanging out and like something cool happened. Like, yeah. And we were all, you know, we were there and experienced it together. It was neat. Chilling on the top of that hill in Henesis, you know, know chilling on the hill in Henesis, sitting, sitting on the altar before I go into a dungeon in Mabinogi, um, flying around in Flife, which was my first ever MMO. Flife is short for fly for fun for those who were, uh, it's a weird Korean MMO by a company called G Potato. G Potato. G Potato. That was a that was I believe my first MMO. I think that even predated Maple Story for me. I think my first was RuneScape. I never got into RuneScape, but you know, Definitely the same you know, the, time the story your, anything yeah. that could happen in one of these games like realistically, the story would be valid in any of them. Like they all have the social mechanics, the music that draws you in, the uh have um, any of us played WoW? I've no. never played WoW. No. That's kind of wild. To We're me. clean. Yeah. We haven't I, been tainted by the Blizzard. I was never allowed to play any game as a kid that had a subscription service. I mean, I played Toontown. I, I, was... I wanted to play Toontown so bad. Oh, I Toontown played was so great. I Is that an extra Kyle. life game this year? <laughs> Maybe. I do remember this. I do remember this period of time where I was basically like hunting for an MMO to play, you know, like I would just jump between like several. I think I like yeah. tried Guild Wars 2 for like a week and like I played Guild Wars uh, 2 a little bit. It didn't okay. it didn't hook me. Yeah, I a bunch a of others kid too. Guild Wars 2 had everything like if I wasn't the asocial adult that I am now, if I was still like the social butterfly kid, I think Guild Wars 2 would have been amazing for me because it does have some amazing social features. I really love the PVP in that game is really good because it's like team based and stuff. Mm-hmm. I think I, I would have really enjoyed that game had I been a little younger when it come out. I also would not have been able to get that game if I was any younger when it came out because it was a $60 game and all the other MMOs I played were free. Yeah. And I do want to yeah. give, I, I do want to give a shout out to ARPGs because I don't know how you would classify the souls games. They're not, you know, like, they're souls games. I don't they, call them they, ARPGs. See, like, yeah, I feel like they're almost dedicated like, to like Diablo likes usually. Okay, okay, I might be miscategorizing there, but I feel like I know a lot of people cringe when they hear this. I honestly feel like Dark Souls and games like it have carved out their own sort of genre. I think at this point, yes. Can we? Can yeah, we agree with fair, that? Yeah. yeah. Like we, what do we have now? Demon Souls, Dark Souls, one, two, three. Bloodborne, Sekiro, and uh, did I miss anything? Elden Elden Ring coming up. So that's like seven games, all sort of like with the same flavor of gameplay. Uh, I don't know. I think uh, 
this style of game didn't exist before Demon Souls came out. And now you see Souls likes everywhere, you know? Like you see, uh, what is it? Like Legends of the Fallen and like The Surge and like Neo, even like all these sorts of the games that like clearly are heavily inspired by what Miyazaki has done. I, the, um, the thing is, though, I don't think any of them have really been able to stand on their own the way that Dark Souls has. And like, I agree. Yeah. The, the comparison is the search action genre, which are like Metroidvanias. And like, it was a long time before there was another game that could stand on the same hallowed earth as super metroid and then not everybody's going to agree with me on this but hollow knight came out and was it better in every way than super metroid and yeah like, i mean i personally think hollow knight is the best uh hollow knight is the best game by yeah. a long shot like it's not even close in my opinion but yeah and i i'm waiting for something i'm waiting for the souls like game that like makes us think was dark souls even that good like gosh oh my gosh if that day ever comes like i can't even imagine yeah that video game will end my life (laughs) (laughs) maybe it'll be elden ring (laughs) oh god yeah elden ring oh there's a demo tomorrow yeah to watch it okay i have a question that just popped up in my head what would you guys classify the legend of zelda as it's not an RPG. A lot of people like to call it an RPG. It's uh is it's not I don't I don't want to call it action adventure either. I think it is action adventure. Yeah, it's a definitely action adventure. Okay, then I think that just strengthens my case for action adventure being my favorite genre, you know, like Yeah, cuz I cuz I do think like if you really want to sit down, you can draw a lot of parallels between like the first uncharted game and something like The Legend of Zelda Wind Waker. Like I don't know if I'd agree with that, but I I can see where you're coming from. Like the thing with Zelda that sets it apart to me is like the, the puzzle centric. Yeah. Well, puzzle centric dungeons, right? Like that's part, it has puzzles. It's <laughs> nothing on the level. They're very simple comparatively, you know, like well, they, wind wakers puzzles are also extremely simple. Yeah. Like, but like, I, I, okay. So like a dungeon is basically just a collection of puzzles, right? And each Zelda game is essentially divided into several dungeons connected by an overworld with its own like secrets and stuff to find. But I would not call Zelda a puzzle game. No, I wouldn't either. So, yeah. like, that's why I was thinking, like, what would I call Zelda? Like, I'm not quite sure. Like, one of these all-time, well, in my opinion, probably the greatest franchise in gaming history. Like, I don't even know how to classify it, really. Yeah. It's uh, it's, its own thing. I, I still definitely think it's action-adventure, personally. But, yeah. yeah. I, think that's, I think that's the closest analog. I think you're right. Yeah. But also genre. I mean, to be clear, this kind of... Yeah, we're just out of this episode is that genre is meaningless. Yeah, we're just sort of fitting things into arbitrary boxes. If I'm going to sit here and make the argument that Sonic Adventure 2 is a life sim game, like it's meaningless, you know. You could argue a lot of things about genre, but I think uh, I've been thinking a lot about search action games recently, and I've always, or or Metroidvanias, but I'm trying not to call them that because I hate that name, uh, since only a few of the Metroid games are even metroidvanias really and even fewer castlevania games but i i really like a good search action game but like that something being in that genre is not enough to hook me like i love hollow knight i love most of the metroid games and i love i, I would also argue that a lot of search action dna is in in the dark souls games as well there's definitely mm, some in that like you get lost a little that's about it though 
No, the, uh, well, I guess there's you're right in the sense that to the, the Souls-like games, though. There's a lot of Zelda in them, but I wouldn't say there's a lot of search action. Well, I, I was arguing, like, just in the way that the levels are interconnected, but, like, you don't have to, like, upgrade things to come back and, like... Yeah, you know, yeah that's not what happens, backtracking. Yeah. So. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of like a blend. You don't have to find an upgrade to unlock an area. Yeah, you have to find a key, which is yeah. not super different sometimes, but... But I, I don't know if I would call the search action games. I don't know that they make my top genre, but I also think Hollow Knight is one of the greatest games I've ever played. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. If we're actually doing, like, top genres, like, I think probably for me it'd be action-adventure followed by just if we're, like, broad umbrella RPGs just because that covers so many things. I don't think I could follow Roguelike with anything because, like, if I look at some of my favorite games, you have, like, Factorio, Hollow Knight, The Beginner's Guide. <laughs> like, because I, I love a good walking sim. I love walking sims. Like, I really like uh, Dear Esther, which I think is not not viewed nearly as kindly now as it was when it came out. I love the Stanley Parable. I love Gone Home. Um, I would put, I don't know if anybody would agree. I, I think Life is Strange kind of fits in that genre as well for me because it's, it's just about exploring the world and like yeah. experiencing the story. There's not a lot of gameplay to it. So would you put like Telltale games in that as well? I haven't played any Telltale games, honestly. That's, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think, yeah. I think with Life is Strange, there's like a little bit of a delineation, but yeah, largely follows the same sort of beats. You see, I can't stand walking simulators. They're not for everybody. I mean, there there's not a lot going on there. It really is. See, just you like, know, it's it's funny. I would, you know, just taking you at face value, Connor, I wouldn't have predicted you would like walking simulators as much as you do because yeah, I know you're such a gameplay person. Yeah, it's a weird thing for me. I, I think you'll be surprised uh, when I talk about my game I've been playing this week too and how much I loved it uh, because it was extremely boring. Um, but... Uh, I love Gone Home. I also, I love these games as something that I can share because I have a lot of people in my life that I try to introduce to gaming and Gone Home yes. is an extraordinarily good game to introduce to somebody who's maybe not super into gaming because it's it's got a little mystery to it but and it like introduces you to first person controls but you're not shooting anything. You know, you're walking around this house. It's like, is this a spooky game? Well, it's kind of unclear. And yeah like no that's a great first time you know like that's that's a great point you bring up like games that get other people into gaming like for me in college that was until dawn like i can't even count the number of times i got a bunch of people together and were like hey let's play until dawn through together and it was just so much fun i think gone like the way you talked about um this is going to be a spoiler for next week i guess but the way you talked about like action adventure games changing the way you thought stories could be told in gaming is like that's what Gone Home did for me when I first played it. I didn't like, I had no idea what I was getting into. I just, yeah. it was in a humble bundle I bought, I think. And like the way that this didn't spoon feed me a story, the way I actually had to piece it together myself. And I thought the writing was insanely good. And like, I was so immersed in this house and then like leading that into the beginner's guide, which does a very similar thing. And the Stanley parable. And like, in my opinion, uh, Outer Wilds is an extension of these games and Outer Wilds is probably my favorite game of all time and uh, Outer Wilds is absolutely scratches the same itch in my brain as uh, Gone Home does and that you're like walking around and piecing together all these parts but Gone Wild just does it on a much larger scale and you know with some 
mechanical and m- some interesting mechanics on top of it. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with you that, like, I think this genre of game, like, I guess, I feel like calling a walking simulator is almost kind of disparaging. It but started know, as a derogatory term. Yeah. I, I do think, like, people use this derogatory term, and I see that, and I'm like, oh, I might like this game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, like, that style of game quite literally did change the way that stories were told. You know, like, yeah. that it, it this sort of, like, interactive, exploratory sort of mechanism of conveying a story wasn't really around until these games became because no, they're always bigger. in the conversation of games as art you know and yeah i don't think i don't think it's fair to center that conversation around them because i think all games are art but i i think maybe it was the first time i realized that like this medium can do something crazy like i don't think yeah. a game had ever made me feel the way that gone home made me feel absolutely I love that game. it's very dear to my heart no it's 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 a great game and it definitely was like one of those pioneer excuse me, pioneering games, you know, like I think Gone Home was one of the first to do it. Yeah. And then it, like, Dear Esther, I think was before Gone Home. And I had played Dear Esther and not, I didn't have the same takeaway as I did at Gone, with Gone Home. I liked Dear Esther, but uh, Dear Esther felt very experimental. Whereas Gone Home felt like it was the first time that like they really did it, you know? Yeah. Cause Dear Esther is like half an hour long or something too. I, I, I like, felt Dear Esther was half an hour too long, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, Dear Esther's rough around the edges, and it's a little pretentious, maybe. I don't don't like pretentious games. I don't like, yeah, you're forced to walk. I don't want to feel talked down upon, because, you know, that's what I've dealt with a good chunk of my life. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to deal with it in games. That's, That's fair, yeah. So, yeah, I think, you know, like, all the previous genres we've discussed, maybe one or two of us we're into right like but i think something all three of us play quite a bit are first person shooters right yeah yeah because i don't think there's anybody who hates first person shooters and if they do there definitely are like actually there are people out there who well more casual people who just don't really like the first person perspective in games which i can understand i guess but I, i do know there's people who are vehemently opposed to combat in their games which it's weird. I, I this is a tangent now, but I did see some of the people I follow on Twitter were kind of up in arms that Dyson Spear program was announcing a combat update. See, I feel like that's super unnecessary. I, I'm not like I'm not somebody who's going to get up on a high horse and say that like not having combat, like that having combat in a game makes it worse. But I I do think that there's something special about a game that can hold you and not do combat because combat. I mean, they're making combat. it optional. Is the is oh, then the it's thing. fine. People, yeah, are you can I turn mean, it on and off. Because like I keep the when you create I keep the, the save. combat on in Factorio, even though it's not really the point. It kind of gives you something else to do while you wait for your production lines. Yeah, yeah. I don't think you know. It's sort of an archaic thought that like a game needs combat to be engaging. Like I feel like there was definitely a period of time where that was like the prevalent thought like maybe in the ps2 ps3 kind of era but like we've proven you know like you can make a game out of just about anything i think and have it be good it's just a matter of how it's designed i think in the case of factory games you need something to create an antagonistic factor or something to kind of keep a reason to progress i think it helps but uh satisfactory doesn't really have that and i really like it satisfactory your reason to progress is just because you want more resources yeah 
Yeah, I don't think it's necessary to have, but I, I don't think it's a bad thing to have either. Yeah. But yeah, I think as far as first person shooters go, like I love Doom Eternal so much. I love Titanfall. Yeah, it's, yeah so, you know, it's funny. It's it's really funny. The first two you mentioned were, you know, single player largely. I know there are multiplayer modes, but like you play I those games prefer single player for the single player shooters. first person shooter, which I feel like is not as common as obviously. it's a genre that's dying out. Single not anymore. I, I don't argue like I again, I think, you know, saying I've said this a lot this episode, but like it maybe used to be dying out, but I don't think it is anymore. Like, I really feel like side note, we kind of are in a golden age of gaming where like nothing's really dead anymore and like people yeah. just make lots of different kinds of games and you can really just enjoy whatever you want like i, I think single player fps is dying out in the triple a space i mean you can bet your bottom dollar they're gonna make another more i mean they're gonna make another doom you know like they're gonna make another doom they're gonna make another gears of war they're gonna well gears of war has multiplayer but again i feel like i would argue gears of war is mostly a single player third person shooter the shooting is not the reason like there's nothing about a first person shooter that i like single player more than multiplayer i'm just a i like a tailored experience from my video games that's that's what i'm here for it's one of the reasons i like roguelikes it's you know there's just some smart tailoring to them they're single player i like multiplayer games i play a lot of apex legends and all but like apex legends does not have the same rhythm as doom eternal does because nobody put the enemies where they are you know there are other people that are like trying to kill me and i also like there's a certain amount where like i don't care about being good at video games and that that mentality is not i guess that kind of clashes with uh my love of roguelikes but like it's not about being good it's about being better than i was yesterday if that makes sense Mm -hmm. and that is extremely rewarding Whereas multiplayer shooters, I really don't care about beating the other guy. Like, that doesn't mean anything to me. Whereas, like, being able to beat Doom on normal and then being able to beat Doom on Nightmare, I love that progression in myself. You know, it's funny because I feel like almost the opposite as far as first-person shooters are concerned. Like, I think I only play multiplayer first-person shooters. Granted, I do play, like, the campaigns those multiplayer games have, but as far as, like, a first-person shooter game goes, I don't know if I've actually played, like, a strictly single-player first-person shooter. Like, obviously, like, games like Bioshock and stuff are first-person perspective and involve shooting, but I wouldn't call that a first-person shooter. Yeah. But, like, yeah, it's... Uh, I feel like I'm almost on the other side of that coin, where... I mean, granted, I feel like I don't play first-person shooters as much as you two. Like, but when I do play them, it's always like multiplayer with friends. Yeah, I. I mean, I don't feel like I play a ton of FPS other than like I play a lot of Apex with my friends. Doom Eternal, like the, the fact that it's a shooter, really didn't affect my enjoyment of it. I really was just like, I like this is Doom. I'm the Doom Slayer. Like they're hyping you up the entire game. There's like a flow to that game. It's not so much that I love the shooting. There's like it's the immaculate flow and like yeah constantly being hyped up i gotta really play that i, I like really it. gotta play that game too yeah and then titanfall 2 i actually was a lot more into first person shooters when that game came out but uh the campaign of titanfall 2 is just insanely good it's yeah. just a master class in game design it's really good but i i love the multiplayer in titanfall 2 i would be playing that all the time now if it had a, a community that was alive if it had cross play like apex does 
I think the problem with Titanfall is that the devs have stopped supporting it. And that's generally the issue with a lot of multiplayer first-person shooters is that once the devs start to uh, stop supporting it, the community just kind of dies around it. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to keep these communities going. Yeah, I mean, like, with, with Titanfall's case, they have Apex Legends now, which just, like, that blowing up the way that it did, like, I don't really know if they'll ever go back to Titanfall, even though I think they've said publicly said they, they plan like, to, but, like, I don't know if I believe them. They have said that they have not abandoned Titanfall. As all Like, that's the official PR statement, is that, like, Titanfall's not dead. But there's also, like, you could argue, like, the new Apex Legend coming out, I think, today or something. It's it's this week, whenever it is. The new legend they're releasing is a character from Titanfall 2, Ash. And, like, that could okay. be what they meant. Yeah. yeah I, I, I just want another Titanfall 2 game. No, no game has movement like that. It feels so good. And, like, a bunch of first-person shooters tried to copy what they did, and none of them got it right. Largely for design reasons, more so than mechanical, I think. But Yeah. Mike, what do you have to say about first-person shooters? Because I know you're big into them. Uh, I'm not as big as I used to be. Really? I just haven't found a lot that have interested me, and I haven't hated after playing them long enough. Because a lot of the times, I'll just end up hating the shooter. Yeah, I... I hard to get I'm, right. I'm not a big shooter guy. It's more like I just, like, by cultural osmosis, like, I, you know, if I was picking the game me and my friends were playing all the time, it would probably be Rocket League. But, you know, Apex Legends is our middle ground. It's like the... It's inoffensive. It's what we play. Yeah. Uh, we all, and we also really, you know, you and I both got into Deep Rock, and that, that's very much a first-person shooter. But it doesn't. It definitely doesn't feel like other first-person shooters. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like, are there any other genres you all are into that we want to go through? I feel like we've touched on the big ones that we personally are into, right? I I don't know that this is really a genre, but there's definitely a a type of game I'm attracted to that is like pretentious indie game. Oh, you don't say. Yeah. So like, <laughs> yeah. And like, I don't know if it's really a genre. I don't know if pretentious is the word. Cause I think this one was just really good in general. Uh, but the, the game I'm going to talk about in my uh, games I've been playing is called unpacking. And I really liked that. And it's a, it's a, <clears throat> it's an indie game that I could not place in any genre. Like it's classified as family and kids on game pass. And that's not right. That's not right at all. Like, okay, that just doesn't make any sense. Uh, I'm trying to think of other games that I've played like that. Like Proteus, I liked a little bit. Proteus is like a weird walk around. I can't even. That's Proteus with a T, not with a D. That that one's a first person shooter. Like just just weird indie games. I really get yeah sometimes. I don't know certain other games that I've played, but I don't think are like they're not genres i'm you know passionate about per se but like i played mobas before like i played league of legends before there was a period of time where i played quite a bit of league of legends back in the day i've played you know i don't know if we can call it a fighting game but like super smash brothers right i know it's not traditionally a fighter in that it's not like a 2d plane where you do like a one versus one and you have to memorize complex combos but like I totally forgot about character action games like Devil May Cry and Bayonetta. Yeah, yeah I mean, just, I, 
I, I don't like the term blank action game. I think I, I think if anything were to be an action game, it would be Devil May Cry or yeah. Bayonetta, you know, like Dark Souls action game. Yeah, Dark Souls Devil is not May an action Cry. game. Devil May Cry and Bayonetta. <laughs> Devil May Cry Five is just immaculate. I Devil May game. Cry is more. It's like a hack and slash, isn't it? People are trying to get. It's not really a hack and slash because a lot of times people look at hack and slash and they think uh, they'll they'll talk about Diablo. Diablo's a ARPG. What are they talking yeah, no, about? People call Diablo a hack and slash game. I, I've seen that's that. not right. Yeah, that's not right. God of War is a hack and slash game. Like the no. first three no. are hack and slashes. Well, yeah. see, I mean, they're not as actiony as Devil May Cry, but there are like combos and stuff to. Oh no, I, I think that those belong in the same genre. I'm just saying that that genre is not called hack and slash. It's definitely called hack and slash. It's not you hack and slash. <laughs> you <laughs> like, hack and slash. It's, it's very simple. But uh, you know, as far as action games goes, have you guys ever played Metal Gear Rising Revengeance? That's a hack no, and slash. I to, though that game was. Awesome. You're right. Like, you did a hundred percent. They called it a hack and slash game. I, I just 100%. checked it. Cry Five. See if anything? Okay, so if anything was ever a hack and slash game, it's Metal Gear Rising. It's, it's less hack and more slash. Hack yeah, and slash. It's way more slash. Yeah, I remember like at the time, like when that game first got advertised, like all the Metal Gear fans were like, "What is this? Like, gross." And then they saw the gameplay and they were like, "Yes." Yeah, it got perhaps it's like it's, the best presidential president in any video game. Yeah, well, that and like I think the big thing when it got first revealed was that you could like cut things at any angle, and that just yeah. sort of like blew people's minds. Yeah, the technology was pretty new at the time. I think. Yeah, yeah, but um, like action games, I think if I were to name one genre that I really want to break into, it'd probably be that. I really want to play the Devil May Cry games and like Devil Bayonetta May Cry games. Five is the best one, but it's also not a terrible starting point, honestly. You yeah. will be confused, but also you might not care. But like, I might, yeah, I think I'm just in for the insanity, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, action games is another big one. Yeah. But like, see, like, there's so many genres that I just dabble in, right? Like, s- fighting, jo- fighting games with Smash Bros and like racing games with Mario Kart, right? Like, that's like just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to like what really, like, what the dedicated fans of those genres are into. But like, you know, worth shouting out, I think. Returnal and Slay the Spire and Roguelikes and yeah and Hades yeah and Hades yeah uh and what else like horror games survival games I play those kind of a, a little bit but like yeah I like a good horror game but I, it, horror games are one of those things where I only really like the absolute best of the best of the genre I'm not I'm probably not going to enjoy anything short of the absolute best that is available yeah I don't know like I. I feel like I scare pretty easily, so I feel like I, most I I most scared. horror games can entertain me. But I I always hear like si- Silent Hills Two is like the peak of that genre. But like I don't know if I'll ever have the stones to play that. <clears throat> but yeah, do we? Okay, so obviously there's millions of millions of different kind of like subgenres and stuff, and we could go on and on. But are there any other big ones we want to touch on before we move on to the next section? I I'm got sure. nothing. I'm sure we've forgotten something big, yeah, and then we'll remember later. I wanted to say a minute ago, and I forgot it because I wanted to talk about Devil May Cry. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I guess we can move on, and if it comes to mind, we can we can double back. But I have two games I want to talk about. Uh, I do as well. Okay. I I guess I can quickly go first, and I know this one will make you mad. So just oh, just okay. just brace yourself. 
So over the past couple of weeks, I played Mario Party Superstars for the Has Nintendo Switch. Uh, it came out on Saturday, I believe. Okay. It lo- so, I mean, it looks fun. And let, uh, let me just tell you, I played this with a bunch of friends, and this is, I think, the most fun Mario Party has been in years. <laughs> and which yeah, is, I think it looks really fun. It's yeah. just like the cost to value ratio looks terrible yeah. on it. Like, it needs more boards. It's 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 got online and it's got you know it's got a greatest hit sort of collection of mini games from like the first like nine or ten Mario parties I'm pretty sure it has only five boards but I think those five boards are pretty fun I mean we had a blast playing this game and I think uh, the weakest part of this game is that uh, it only has five maps but let me tell you just like the the gameplay in this game th- the reason I think this game is so good is because the older Mario parties. Well, well, it's a couple couple reasons. Uh, I think one, the older Mario parties, so like the maps from the first three games, uh, are just straight up a lot more conducive to like backstabbing and betrayal than the later Mario parties are. Like the later Mario parties got kind of toothless, right? Like there's like straight up things in this game where you can like swap stars with someone. <laughs> like it's just like absolutely savage, and so that so that's one reason. A return to like the the more like hardcore, like you could get absolutely boned next round and there's nothing you can do about it kind of vibe. And the other thing is it has included a lot of the quality of life updates that were in like the newest Mario party that really just make the game experience better. So like it tells you how many spaces you are away from the star at all times. It tells you like if you're at a crossroads, exactly where you're land. So you don't have to count like little things like that. Right. Like, so this is the most uh, the polished Mario Party has been in a while, and it's just so much fun to play. I don't know how much more there is to add than that. Like, it's definitely not worth sixty dollars. Like, I paid sixty dollars for it because, like, that's the problem I have with it is that like it it needs like three or four more boards for it to be worth that price to me because I don't think five is enough for me to really get the variety. Yeah. I want. I was I was with friends and we really wanted to play it, so I decided to just bite the bullet and buy it. And I, honestly, I'm just I'm glad I did. Like we had so much fun playing this game, and I think uh, I think the biggest crime against Mario Party was just like taking the edge out of it over the last like decade or so. Like, and it, and this Mario Party brings it back and to great effect. I think this is the best Mario Party we've had since like you know the GameCube. Honestly, so. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, it's 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 a great game. It's it's super fun. All I really have to say about it. Uh, I guess I'll go next. I've been playing a an indie game that may have been. It was published by Humble. What's Humble's publishing company? Humble, Humble Games. Humble Games. Yeah, it's um. I don't actually. I, I finished it today. I don't actually know who made it, but it's called Unpacking or Unpacking a Life. I'm not actually sure what the official title is. I think it just says Unpacking on the icon. But it's this um beautiful little like it's hard to describe what it is i just kind of have to like describe the level it's like you are looking at a room and it has a bunch of boxes in it and you unpack the boxes and it like gives you a little vignette into this woman's life so like the first room you move into is her moving into her very first bedroom and it's just this one room and you unpack into it the next time you're like unpacking into her dorm room sort of and it like it just kind of, it's hard to describe how, but it just tells this beautiful story that, like, is so relatable, like, about the arc her life goes on. through, And, and you're only, 
exposure to this character is what she chooses to take with her when she moves and what houses she's moving into. So like when she moved into a house, you know, it was, it's a woman. So it's moving into a house full of girls and like all the messes and stuff involved with that, you know, messy kitchen and like trying to fit your stuff into a shower that you're sharing with two or three other people and stuff. And it was like funny how relatable that was to me having, you know, having lived with roommates, you know? And I thought that was really cool. And, uh, you know, a couple of the other moves, like she moves in with a boyfriend at one point and like the, the difficult, the difficulty ramps up there because you're, it's a smaller apartment and you're trying to fit two people into it. And I think that that was really interesting the way that they handled that. (laughs) I don't want to spoil much because I, it's like the game's only like an hour and a half long, maybe. And it's on game pass, but like, I thought it was brilliant. Like, the way it kind of communicated mechanically really subtle things. Like when you're moving in with the the girls in the house, you cannot move their stuff. You have to like slot your entire life in without disrupting their life. And then when you're moving in with the guy, that's impossible. It's impossible to slot your life in without disrupting his. You have to like rearrange his drawers and stuff or your stuff literally will not fit. And I, uh, you know, that that took me back to the first time I lived with a girlfriend and I was like, oh my God. Yeah, like living in a small apartment with somebody, like it it's rough. Like it's a it's a strain on your relationship to do this sort of thing. And like the game makes you feel that, you know? It's it's kind of amazing how simple mechanically this game can convey stuff like that. And it, it cool. really got me. Like this is a this is gonna be in my game of the year conversation. That's uh that's yeah, that's high praise. That's really cool. But I also could see Mike hating it because it's a pretentious indie game where all you do is unpack boxes. <laughs> like, That's about right, yeah. So there is that. But I, I would, if you have Game Pass, you should really play this game. Like, I, it's it's not asking a ton of you. You'll know whether or not it's for you very quickly. And uh, yeah, I love it. It's, it's, it's beautiful is like the only word I could use to describe it. The way it conveys its story is incredible. It sounds very uh, avant-garde. Maybe, yeah. Uh, how about you, Mike? Oh man, I've been playing Project Wingman, and uh, I didn't realize it was in the Humble Monthly until November first, and I bought it on October twenty ninth. So <laughs> I did end up paying half price for it, though, so it worked out. But man, is it a fun game! Yeah, sell me on this game because I got it in the Humble Monthly, and I was thinking about downloading. So, have you game. ever played an Ace Combat game? I have not. Oh. Oh, it's it's a flight sim in the sense that you fly a plane, and that's about it. <laughs> there's there's no simulation to it; it's straight up arcade. So it's more like the um the old like Star Wars like Rogue Squadron that sort of thing. Yeah, it's it's very much it takes pride in being realistic but unrealistic at the same time. Like you can't well, you can do flips. Never mind. <laughs> Ace Combat always looked really anime to me, if that makes it, sense. Like, it looks Ace like if somebody Com- was going to make an anime about flying jets. It's Ace Combat, but with less anime, I guess. It's very, very picturesque. A lot of the fights have you really pumped for when they happen. Because the mission that I was stuck on was you were fighting in a thunderstorm. And you had to attack ground targets. So you had to dive below the storm clouds in order to see them. That's or else so you were cool. just going to suffer. That sounds really cool. And you couldn't see anything in those storm clouds at all. So you had this significant layer of just no visibility. Uh, there's no checkpoints. So, and missions are 20, 30 minutes. I think the fastest one 
is about 15. So if you die at the end of the mission, you have to restart the mission again. Be warned. Yeah. It is. It's one of those games that you just have to just get lost in. The soundtrack really, really sells it. And you could tell they put a good chunk of their budget into it. Because mm-hmm. it makes you feel like a badass. <laughs> the entire time. It's hard to it's hard to quantify. It's Ace Combat without the without the touch of Japan. Without <laughs> Japanese <laughs> touch. Without the Japanese touch. Mm. It, it is an indie game. It does have that level of no. Actually, it's pretty polished. There's no jank to it. That's good. I, I I'm halfway through it at this point. There's not. I have more thoughts, but they're hard to articulate because I'm just I'm rolling through it. I need to write these down. <laughs> I never write these down. But so is is there a multiplayer component to it? There is no multiplayer. It is strict single player, but there's enough replayability. And I think there's a roguelite mode to it as well. Uh oh. All right. Download. Oh yeah. <laughs> there is there is a roguelite mode. It's in beta right now. I think. You said the magic words. Yeah. Yeah, I did say the magic words. I love. I I may not love every roguelike, but I do love when non roguelike games introduce roguelike mechanics. Yeah, there's there's a whole like there's the campaign and then there's a conquest mode where you're just doing runs and if you die you restart. Mm. I think you keep your money. I'm not sure. I haven't touched it. I've been playing the campaign, which is equally good. There's no story in it, but the story doesn't matter. You are a pilot and you fight. And the color orange. There's a lot of orange. Orange equals danger, missiles equals danger, and the missile lock on sound gives me anxiety. Uh oh. <laughs> you hear it a lot. Yeah, I don't like, uh, I, I do not love incessant beeping. I can't stand <laughs> having low health in a Zelda game. It's, oh yeah. You get used to it because there's a lot also going on at the same time, but you know, you tune into that, that missile beep and you know to start moving. Don't go in straight lines, start shaking. Yeah. It, it's a very cool game. I probably will talk more about it next week or whatever we record again. So anywhere between next week and four months from now. All right. It'll be, it'll be sooner than that. <laughs> it'll be sooner than that. It'll be this year. It'll be this year. Yeah. We'll we'll get it done this year. I hope. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, next one will take a little bit of deliberation before we do it because it is the big one oh oh, but it'll come before the end of the year for sure. <laughs> Our weekly podcast. Okay, I'll, I can I can go next, and then Connor, you can finish this off. Right. So I I was only planning on talking about Mario Party today, but then literally today I got into this stupid mobile game that just is like I, I'm gonna be real with you guys. All I've been thinking about while we've been doing the show, like what I'm. Game is it? So it is called Super Auto Pets. Oh, okay, yeah, I've heard oh, of it. God. I hear it's very good. So okay, so the so it's an auto chess game. And if you don't know what that is, it's basically you select units before the beginning of each round, and then basically they go and fight, right? And that's really boiling it down. But like each different animal has like different abilities. So like if you have an ant, the ant's ability is that if it it dies, it can randomly give like plus one attack or something to like another one of your units. Like so, it's th- things like that. So you can like mix and max, uh, mi- mix and match and strategize. And the other very common uh, auto chess trope is that if you have like two no if you have three of the same unit you can combine them and they will level up and be like a stronger version of that unit and you can level a unit all the way up to level three and you start out with very common animals and then as you progress further into the game 
uh, or no, not into the game, but like as the rounds go by, as the longer, the more you keep winning, you get access to stronger animals. And then if you ever take, I think three losses, if you take three losses, your entire game ends and you have to start over. But my God, is this game addicting? And I remember the first auto chess ga- I game I got into was the the League of Legends one. I don't know, Mike, you probably know what it is. Team Fight Tactics. Team Fight Tactics. Yeah, that's the one. Like when I first got into that, I was just like, "What is it? like?" You know, it's funny to say, like, even after gaming for like what twenty five years or so, like I can still discover new genres that can captivate me, like like this does. You know, like, but this game, so it, it's a little unique in that, like. Your money, your so a lot of a big part of uh, auto chess games is like managing your economy, like your money, like so you can like buy new units to like either combine or put on your team. But the thing with this is like after each round, your money resets, so like you have to spend basically all of it in one round and like optimize it in that round, and then have your people go out and fight and come back, and then you have ten coins again. So you can't like save things from round to round, which I think is a little unique. Because, like, a big part of these games is, like, managing your economy across various turns. But, yeah, it's it's a simple little game. You, you have, like, cute little bugs and critters and, like, dolphins. And eventually, like, the higher level animals are, like, gorillas and dragons and stuff. But, like, it, it's very cute and simple-seeming on the surface. But, like, the strategy can get quite deep, honestly. You know, like, you can combine various effects to do like crazy things and like really sort of put a lot of thought into how you're going to do it. And another interesting thing about this game, your round, like where you're planning your units and stuff has no time limit, right? Like, so typically these games have time limits, but like for this game, you can spend as long as you want. And then whenever you're ready, you can match into another actual person who's on the same like round as you are. So like round two or round four or five or whatever. Um, so that, that right there is kind of like an ingenious thing. Cause it's like, it's really easy to pick up and put down. Uh, cause there's no like, okay, I have to make my strategy decisions like within like a minute. Otherwise I'm screwed. Right. Like you can literally just leave it there for days if you want and pick it up and be like, okay, let me finish my turn. That's cool. so yeah, it's, uh, it is, uh, it is dangerous right now for me. I will say that because like I was very intentionally avoiding playing video games because I'm trying to study for an exam uh, for a certification. And now I stumbled onto this thing and I'm going to have to like purge it from my system before, before it's too late. That's all I'll say. Uh, Connor. I, um, I don't know how popular this game was. I had heard of it a couple of times. It's called um, the forgotten city. Yes, I've I've heard of this too. I think it's on my PlayStation wish list actually. It's a, it's on Game Pass. That's how I ended up playing it. I'd heard of it a few times and uh it's really good. It actually started as a Skyrim mod. That's so interesting time. to me. Yeah. That's crazy. It, it's a it's like a time loop game where you uh travel back in time to an ancient Roman city and uh, uh basically the uh the, the time loop is that like if anyone in this city commits a sin everyone in the city will be turned to gold and it's, it's called the golden rule. And, uh, unless you do something about it, someone in the city is going to commit a sin and everyone gets turned to gold and you have to start the loop over. And, uh, it, it does a lot of stuff. It, it dives into like Roman culture and the Roman gods and uh, a little bit of how, you know, those were inspired by Greek culture and Greek gods. Uh, cause there, there's at least one Greek in the city. Uh, the one I remember is a guy called Georges. And uh, 
it's it's just really good it uh, it definitely it has the walking sim vibes that i'm very into it has a, a mystery you have to solve sort of it has a problem you have to solve at least which is like wh- what is a sin you, you kind of dig into that like what what constitutes a sin because like they've been there for seven months in this city and haven't been killed yet but like there are slaves in the city like is that not yeah. a sin that seems pretty egregious and you talk to uh you end up befriending the magistrate of the city who is the only other person who kind of kind of knows you're in a time loop because he caused it, but he doesn't actually remember things loop to loop. So you kind of end up befriending him and he's trying to help you figure out who's committing the sin so that you can stop them so that everybody in the city lives. And like, as you go through, you'll discover that like, there are a lot of opportunities for people to sin. And if you, and you can also sin, like you can steal something and trigger the golden rule and everybody dies. And, you know, jump to the next, the next loop or whatever. It, it's really good. It's, um, I learned a little bit about Roman culture and it's, you know, and like Roman gods and stuff that I didn't know going into it. I thought that was really interesting. The, the way it handles the debate of what is a sin is interesting for most of the game. I do think that there are a couple different endings. Uh, the first ending I got, I felt like really kind of fumbled, which I, it's the canon ending. The last like five minutes were not very good, but like it took me three or four hours, I think, to get there. So like overall, I'd say the game's extremely good. You, uh, that's, that's good to hear. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I, looking I into highly it. recommend it. It actually has a an optional section that that you can kind of skip that is like kind of horrifying <laughs> that I really liked. I don't want to spoil what it is or why it was horrifying, but uh, you know, it definitely was. It was really good. <laughs> I I would uh. I would recommend this game to anybody who likes a mystery. Yeah, I'll have to I'll have to check it out one of these days. All right, I think that is going to do it for us this week. Thank you guys for listening. You can follow us at Ad Podcast Game Talk on Twitter. Please like, rate, and review us on any podcast service you use, including Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, etc. Click the link in the description of this podcast to join our Discord and talk to us there. And lastly, next time we release an episode it'll be episode 100 so we're gonna try and do something a little special for that and uh i will estimate right now it'll probably come out late november or early december so that's i'm i'm aiming for that time frame uh but uh last but not least thank you connor and mike yeah see you guys next week or in late november december yep see you for episode 100 bye I'm your host, Amon Vion. <laughs> I messed up the first letter of the first word. Jesus. All right.